we're walking through the gospel of John still uh, continuing our dive looking at the person of Christ this text talks a lot about Peter uh, but make no mistake it is about Jesus amen uh, how many ever been on a roller coaster good stuff right you remember your first time getting on it who talked you into it was it you or somebody else somebody else for most of us that's the thing somebody talks us into it because you look at it and you see the high and the low and the twist and the turn and the overturn and the speed and you're like no I know that was my testimony when I first saw a coaster with my eyes not just on TV and it was Pastor Brian and another dear brother of ours uh, Quincy Jones who has now passed who talked me into it uh, but I was thinking on that moment uh, this week and looking at this text and uh, Peter denies Jesus and this is the same Peter that the Lord spoke to and who made the declaration flesh and blood uh, or rather uh, you are the Christ you know when he asked who do men say that I am and Peter said you are the Christ and Jesus in response said flesh and blood has not revealed that to you but my father who is in heaven so we see times throughout scripture where uh, Peter has this insane high right uh, going on to preach uh, where 3,000, more than 3,000 is added to the church, going on to be so anointed that we see his shadow healing people. But this same Peter here denies knowing Jesus three times. And it reminded me of a roller coaster. And our own lives, our own walk with Jesus can be like that. Sometimes, man, you know, whether it was prayer that morning or devotion or maybe you had a great experience sharing Christ with somebody and you're just on this high and you feel like, man, I can take on the world. And then the next moment you're like, man, did I really do that again? And so we see Peter here uh, denying Jesus. And so I... I, I I termed our, our conversation here, Disciple in Distress. And if we look at it, we can kind of see ourselves even in this text. And maybe it's not you denying Jesus like Peter denied Jesus. But if it was anything that caused, uh, that, that caused you to walk or speak or act in any way that was contrary to the gospel, are we denying Jesus any less than what Peter does here in our text? And the answer is no. And so I want to kind of frame our discussion here um, with two main questions. And that is, what leads us to distress? Uh, and then the second one, who rescues us from distress? Because although, you know, Peter, like us, we have these roller coaster times where we do great things and we're commended for it and we do bad things and we're rebuked for it. But Jesus doesn't leave us in those moments. Say, man, he rescues us from our distress and so first what leads us uh, to distress so we have here in our text let's look again at chapter 18 starting with verse 15 Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple since that disciple was known to the high priest he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest but Peter stood outside at the door so the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. 
the first thing that leads us to distress and the first thing that led Peter to distress here is he chooses to rebel against the counsel of God. And what do I mean by that? If you recall from previous text, uh, even in Luke 22 that we made mention of last week, Jesus tells the disciples what's about to happen, right? And again, we're paralleling the Gospels because different writers share different things. And in Matthew 16, Jesus first foretells of his death and resurrection, and Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him. Peter rebuking Jesus, right? And what is Jesus' response to him? He says, get behind me, Satan. For you mind not the things of God, but the things of man. In in Mark 14, verses 27 and 31, we find the words where Jesus says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. He tells the disciples here that you all will fall away. Right? Jesus is giving counsel, giving them these things aforehand, he says, so that when they happen, you might believe. Right? What is Peter's response as he says this? Again, in the first text, Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him. Here, as the Lord says that, hey, these things are about to happen, Peter stands up and declares, hey, even if all of them fall away, I will not. Jesus says, Peter, hey, before the cock crows two times, you'll deny me three times, right? Peter says, if I must die, I will not deny you. So before we, before we kind of get into his denial and kind of look down on Peter, as sometimes we do look down on folks when we see them overtaken in fault, Peter has every intention of making good on, on his testimony, right? He has every intention when he says, you know, Lord, even if they all fall away, I'm going to be right here. When he makes the declaration that, hey, I won't deny you even if I die, I'm going, I'm not, I'm, I won't deny you, I'm going to be right there with you. He has every intention of making that good. And we see that in the garden, uh, even in earlier text here in 18, as they go and lay hands on Jesus to arrest him, Peter grabs his sword, Right? So how, do, how does Peter go from this uh, man full of courage and ready to fight, committed uh, to, to dying with Christ, uh, displaying that commitment and reaching for his sword to cut off this man's ear? And I, I can't believe Peter was just swinging for an ear, right? So how does Peter get from Peter in, what is it, verse... Mercy. Verse 10, where he cuts off the ear. How does Peter get to get from that person to verse 17 where he's denying Jesus? It was an instant, right? It was a series of choices that he made that brought him to that place. And it starts with him choosing to rebel against the counsel of God. Jesus had already told them, hey, that these things are coming, but Peter was determined not to let that be his testimony. Amen? 
So the second thing that Peter does that leads him to distress, not only in in choosing to rebel against the counsel of God by disregarding the words that Jesus had already spoken to him, but he chooses to go at it alone. I often say to many of my friends who go through, the thing that makes going through so tough is that we try to do it by ourselves. We isolate ourselves from the community of God, even when we've been hurt in the church rather than going back and, and looking for healing among God and God's people, we, we, we stop going to church, right? But if people hurt you, God will use people to heal you, amen? But we try to go at it alone. Jesus tells uh, of the enemy's request, going back to Luke 22 again, he said that Satan has requested to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. Uh, Encouragement for us, because this is kind of a similar picture to what happened in Job, right? Scripture says that the sons of God came and presented themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also. So the enemy comes and he makes requests. So even in our distress, it shows that God is still in control, amen? And we can be... uh, comforted by that but he makes the he tells them that the enemy has made requests that they might that he might sift them as wheat jesus says but i have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and when you have returned or when you have recovered go back and strengthen the brethren and again we see Peter saying, separating himself from the rest of the disciples, saying, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Pride comes before the fall, right? In our text, it says, Simon Peter followed Jesus. Now, the way the scriptures kind of tell the story, you know, you have this other disciple who was there, but I don't know if they were walking together or if they were just both following Jesus. But we know when, we, when they get to the gate, one goes in because he's known, right? And Peter is on the outside of the gate because he is not long, but not known. So rather, again, we see Peter alone here. And we know God never intended for us to do life alone, right? We can look even back in the beginning in Genesis. He said it's not good that man should be alone, right? Even as Jesus is speaking to them, preparing them for his departure, he says, but I will not leave you comfortless, right? So we have the spirit of God and then he gives us each other. He gives us this call to community, and and even we see this here, not in John's gospel, but in Luke 22, as again, Jesus says, I pray for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have returned, he calls them back to his brothers. Go strengthen your brothers. God never intended for us to do life alone, so as we find ourselves in distress, rather than cutting ourselves off from the community of God, rather than cutting ourselves off from brothers and sisters of like precious faith, those are the times that we cling. Amen? Those are the times that we cling. So into the courtyard, we see Peter go. 16, but Peter stood outside at the door, so the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl. 
who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. The third thing that leads us to distress is choosing to walk into temptation. Now again, Peter had no intention of following Jesus, going into the courtyard where he can see Jesus. And we, we, we kind of get a sense that he can see Jesus, not in this text, but in parallel gospels. Because when Peter denies Jesus for the final time, scripture says, and Jesus looked at Peter, right? So they're, they're within view, uh, however faint, they're within view of each other. But Peter, seeing all that happen, hearing all that would happen as Jesus is telling them, hey, these, this is what's coming. And again, he tells them, uh, Scripture says, so that when they happen, they might believe. Keep that in mind. But Peter makes the decision to go, again, not intending to deny Jesus. When we find ourselves outside of ourselves, it's never our intention to be there, right? I struggle in traffic. I've confessed that to you guys several times. Uh, I struggle in traffic, but when I get in my truck and I crank it up, I don't say, today I'm going to call somebody an idiot on my way to work, right? You know, maybe I should stop driving. That's a temptation. No. But we never do anything with the, with the intent of, as Galatians 2 call it, acting out, uh, out of step with the gospel. Amen? So whatever it is, whether you're communicating with uh, your spouse or a family member or whether you're at work or uh, whether you're at home and it's just you and the internet, you never go to those things with the intention of falling away from God. And when we say choosing to, walk into, choosing to walk into temptation, it's not just a lustful thing, but temptation is anything that would draw you away from your love and from relationship with Jesus. Amen? So again, he mentions this, this sifting uh, in 22. And we have this, this uh, uh, picture of sifting because you know I had to go, go look it up, right? Uh, and so they give us this picture of of separating uh, wheat from chaff, right? So they put it in this thing. Who knows what the thing is called? Anybody? Weave basket? Okay, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> but they put it in this thing, and so they're throwing it up, and as they throw it up, the chaff blows away, and the wheat stays there, right? So the goal here is separation, so the enemy wants to separate them, not from each other, because the sheep are scattered, right? So he wants to separate them, not just from each other, but also from their faith. And we get that because Jesus says, hey, but I have prayed for you. The enemy made this request, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Okay? So he's already separated from his brothers, and he enters the courtyard here. And Peter has ignored all the warning signs. Again, Jesus has give, been giving instruction, been saying, hey, here's what's coming. He ignores all the warning signs, and he ignores the dangers. Christ was just bound and arrested, right? And taken to, 
Anna's house for what we'll see in the text for an illegal midnight trial, right, where they have the intent from which we know because Jesus has been saying they have the intent to put him to death. And so he's not here among disciples. I started to say not among church folk, but he probably is among church folk. But he's not here among disciples. He's here among people who mean Jesus no good, who means Jesus' disciples no good. Ignores the warning signs, ignores the dangers. Into the courtyard he goes. He has chosen to be here. Verse 17 again, the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you are not one of those. You are not, that is not what it says. You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? Looking at uh, other texts and other commentary, it, 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 it paints a picture of her not just looking at his face and, and, and recognizing him, but rather knowing that the disciple that was known came out to her and asked to let him in, looked him in the eye and said, tell me the truth. Are you one of this man's disciples also? So that's what it paints the picture as. And here we have our first denial as he said, I am not. Now, again, I wish that scripture went into more detail about this because I, I, you, you don't get the sense that there was a lot of pressure here. Certainly not the pressure that he would have had there in the garden when the men came to arrest him because there were soldiers there, there were guards there, and Peter drew his sword ready, to, ready for confrontation. And here we have just a servant girl. Now, he didn't deny Jesus in the confrontation with the soldiers. Why would he deny Jesus here? I, I, I wish, again, that scripture gave us more insight, but the, the only thing that I could come to was just the pressure of looking around and not seeing any familiar faces, at least there in the garden. He had Jesus, he had his brothers, and so now he's in the courtyard and, and he sees Jesus, but Jesus is over there and he's detained and he has the Sanhedrin and all these other people around him doing this illegal trial and he has all these other people and there are no familiar faces to him and, and, and in a moment of weakness, he said in the, Jesus said in the garden, the spirit is willing, right? But the flesh is weak. So here in this moment of temptation, maybe the, the pressure was just too great for him. And rather than answering in the affirmative, rather than holding true to all his declaration that I won't deny you, that I, I'm, I'm willing to go both to jail and to death with you, rather than standing in that, he says, I am not. Eighteen. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also with them standing and warming himself again, choosing to walk into temptation. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know this is not a good atmosphere, right? Bad company, corrupt good manners. Peter is in the midst of bad company here. Excuse me. 
But as the pressure intensifies, now it's not just the servant girl. He has other people around him. As the pressure intensifies, so does the denial. We'll come back to verse 19. Go down with me to 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. By this time, they are, other people are looking and, and, and perhaps the servant girl, you look at other texts, have rallied some people around and he's piqued folks' interest. People have picked up not just the question, are you one of the disciples, but noticing uh, the look, perhaps the dress, perhaps the speech, because certainly as we talk to each other around the room, we can tell Folks are not necessarily from here because they don't talk like us, right? One of the servants of the high priest, it gets a little more personal. First denial, I am not. Second denial, I am not. Verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter cut off. Did I not see you in the garden with him? You're going to have to... Do a little something more to get out of this one, right? And I love the picture that other, uh, other texts give because here we, 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 it doesn't really show how he went from, I don't know the man, to as God is my witness, I don't know the man, to scripture says he, 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 he swore and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily paint the picture that he used some colorful terms that we would use, but rather that he said, as God is my witness, I don't know the man. And if I'm not telling the truth, may all my pigs die, you know, something like that. He invert, invokes a curse on himself. He strengthens, he ups the ante with his denial, right? And in that moment, the cock crowed. And again, other texts paint the picture of Jesus in that moment turning and looking Peter in the eye as the servant girl did. A disciple in distress, now not looking at a servant girl who... We don't know if it was her intention to stir up uh, uh, trouble in asking him that. We don't know what her heart is, but we know or what her heart is towards Peter, but we know what Jesus' heart is towards Peter. Amen? So Jesus is the one who rescues us from distress. In Luke's account, the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord that before the cock crowed, you will deny me three times. And Scripture says Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Now we have in the text two disciples that are in distress. We have Judas and we have Peter. We know Judas, burdened by guilt, he ran out and he tried to absolve himself. He tried to take it back. He tried to take the money back here. I don't want it. But he only received guilt. Scripture says he went out and he hung himself. 
But Peter, when he looked in the eyes of Jesus, it wasn't... Did he, did, he, did he feel guilt? Absolutely, because Scripture says he went out and he wept uh, uh, bitterly. But it wasn't just guilt, it was grace. Amen? Peter remembered the words of the Lord. Peter saw the face of his Savior. And in that moment, In that moment, just like us, we don't just experience sorrow. Uh, Scripture says we don't grieve as other people grieve, but Peter experienced the sorrow that leads to repentance. Just like us, when, we're, when we find ourselves outside of ourselves, the conviction that we feel doesn't, doesn't drive us away from God. It drives us to God. It drives us to confession, just like David, the man after God's own heart. David would find himself in, in sin, a, a prophet, or God would confront him. And, and, and instead of uh, going out and hanging himself, you know, David would say, you know, woe is me. You know, David would cry out to God, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. So that's the heart that Peter is in now, and that's the heart that I pray for you as you find yourself in distress, knowing that Jesus rescues you from distress. And 19, going back to verse 19, <clears throat> reading 19 through 24, the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus said that I have spoken openly to the world. I have taught always in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he said these things, one of the officers stood by, standing by, struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is this how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. As, Jesus, as, as Peter is in the courtyard denying Jesus, Jesus is in the courtyard making provision for Peter's denial. Amen. So as you find yourself outside of yourself, be it troubled by sin, overtaken by uh, guilt or uh, uh, depression, whatever the struggle is, in whatever way that you have, like Peter, denied Jesus, know that he is an advocate. Amen. Scripture says we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Amen. He makes provision for us. And we can rejoice in that, even, even as we go out and we weep bitterly. Peter was a broken man in this moment as he saw the face of Jesus, knowing that he just denied his Savior three times. We don't intend to deny him. Amen. We, we love the Lord. 
we want to serve the Lord with much passion and, and we want there to be much fruit from our service and from our love. But oftentimes we do find ourselves denying him. Again, maybe not just outright as Peter does here, but in our actions, in our words, we deny him. But he doesn't leave us there. Amen. To God be the glory. I want to encourage you through your ups and downs, through whatever um, choice of rebellion, uh, whatever season uh, of loneliness, and uh, through whatever temptation, to let not your trust be in you. Peter trusted a little too much in himself to make good on his vow, amen? Um, but when we trust in ourselves, when we trust in our own strength, uh, God's words are made all the more true as Jesus was praying and he comes back and finds the disciples asleep and he says to them again, the flesh is, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our spirits, our hearts desire to serve God and to love God, but sometimes our flesh gets weak in that walk. But Jesus helps our infirmities, amen. Look to him, trust in him throughout all your distress because he is able to rescue Amen.